Psalm 67, and we'll begin reading in verse number 1. God be merciful unto us, and bless us, and cause his face to shine upon us. Salam. That thy way may be known upon the earth, thy saving health among all nations. Let the people praise thee, O God. Let all the people praise thee. O let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For thou shalt judge the people righteously and govern the nations upon the earth. Selah. Let the people praise thee, O God. Let all the people praise thee. Then shall the earth yield her increase. And God, even our own God, shall bless us. God shall bless us and all the ends of the earth earth shall fear him. Father, I pray tonight in Jesus' name, God, that you'd give us liberty these next few moments. I pray that you'd give us the words and the wisdom uh, to say only what you would have us to say. Lord, I pray that you'd do a work in our hearts. Help us remember those things that need to be said. And God, I pray that you'd be glorified. I pray your son would be magnified in the church and be edified tonight. And we'll thank you for what you do. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated tonight. I want to preach tonight on this subject on worldwide worship, worldwide worship. And when you come to Psalm 67, that's really what the psalmist is talking about. Psalm 65, 66, 67, and 68 is what is known as a, a quartet song, psalms because all four of these psalms uh, talk about the millennium reign. And they talk about uh, uh, the psalmist as they are writing these four psalms. They clearly have uh, uh, the millennium on their mind as they're thinking about uh, that time and looking forward to that time. And as you look at Psalm 67, in verse number one and two, you see the hope of that. As the psalmist said, God be merciful unto us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us, Selah, that thy way may be known upon the earth, thy saving health among all nations. So what the psalmist is doing here is he's looking ahead with hope because he knows that when the Messiah comes and when the kingdom is established that all the all the trouble and all the all the heartache that Israel has had to go through and I want to stop and say they've been through a lot amen but all that they have to go through he knows uh, will come to an end so that's the hope of that and when you think about uh, when you go from the uh, when you go through the Old Testament from Exodus and you see the bondage it was Israel that Israel was in when you see all the battles that Israel had to face and, and you see the bitter experiences that they had to go through in life and you see their backsliding and you see all that God uh, brought in their life. You think about the holocaust that they have faced and then the holocaust of all holocausts that they will face during the tribulation period. That will be a time like Israel has never faced before even though God will seal them and deliver them. Much blood is going to be shed and they'll go through tribulation like they have never seen. And so the psalmist is looking beyond that point and he knows that their hope lies when the Messiah comes. Now I want to stop and say tonight the same hope that Israel has you and I have, amen? And it may not be in the millennial and it will bring hope, but our hope is in the rapture, amen? And we know that when he comes, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. And so the psalmist talks about the hope of that millennium and then he talks about not only the hope of it, but then we see here that there's the hint of that as he begins to talk about what's going to happen in that millennial. You say, well, preacher, there's a lot of things things that's going to take place and I know that tonight and I'm sure that you do but can I tell you if you could sum the millennium up in one in just one word do you know what it's going to be tonight it's going to be 1,000 years of worship 
here on earth. I know that for 1,000 years, Christ is gonna rule and reign. But for 1,000 years, we know the curse is gonna be lifted and we know that righteousness is gonna rule the land. But can I tell you, for 1,000 years, what we're gonna do on earth is what we're gonna do in eternity. We're gonna worship the King of Kings, amen? And the whole world is gonna be filled with the knowledge of God and they're gonna worship. And that's what verse three and verse four and five is about. Let the people praise thee, O God. Let all the people praise thee. You know what's gonna happen in the millennial? Israel is gonna worship the Messiah the Lord Jesus Christ. And so there is the hope of that. There is the hint of it. The hint of that millennial is that of worship. And and then there's the height of that. The Bible said in verse number six that then shall the earth yield her increase in God. Even our own God shall bless us. God shall bless us and all the ends of the earth shall fear him. Now, when you think about tonight, the height of the millennial is that God is gonna lift the curse. The earth is gonna be blessed. Israel is gonna be blessed. And all nations of the earth are gonna be blessed as a result of God's blessing upon his people Israel, amen. So it pays to be good to the Jew, doesn't it, tonight? I think one of the reasons why America is still in existence today, we know that America is filled with sin, full of sin, but one of the reasons America is still being blessed today, or two reasons, should I say, is because we're keeping the Old Testament covenant as still uh, uh, blessing the nation of Israel. I thank God that our president uh, moved the embassy to Jerusalem, and we need to pray for him tonight. We know that the heat has been turned up now more than ever. I pray that God will vindicate him and that God will uh, let the American people remember tonight, not just now, but throughout history, amen, and that those that have turned against him will greatly pay uh, for what they have done. I say that without apology tonight, uh, my friend, because uh, uh, he may not be a saved man, uh, uh, but the hand of God is using him, uh, uh, giving us grace and mercy, and I thank God for that tonight. Uh, And I wanna tell you, my friend, when you think about it, uh, uh, there is coming a time we've kept the Old Testament uh, covenant with Israel, and then we're keeping the New Testament uh, commission of going out and preaching the gospel and sending it around the world. And I believe those are two things that's kept America afloat for the last century, amen. And so there is the hope of the millennial. There is the the hint of it. We see it in this text. It'll be about worship. And then the height of it is that God is gonna lift the curse and bless the earth and he's gonna bless Israel and all them that fear his name. But I'm preaching tonight on worldwide worship because that's what is in this text tonight. Notice in verse three and verse four and five, as the psalmist begins to talk about worship, he's not talking about uh, he's not talking about just church the church worshiping. He's not just talking about Israel worshiping. He's not just talking about a crowd here or there. But he is pointing us to that time when all the world is going to come together and people are going to worship God. You know, I've never been in a service like that, and neither have you. In fact, I'll go as far to say I've never been in a service uh, where all that were saved in the service uh, uh, got in the worship together, amen? Uh, in fact, it's amazing sometimes uh, in a worship service what people will do. Uh, they'll get on their cell phone uh, and they'll watch football or they'll watch baseball or they'll watch basketball or they'll watch NASCAR uh, uh, during, uh, I'm talking about in the house of God during worship. Uh, uh, listen, I don't care if you're watching Fox News tonight. You got no business being on your phone uh, in the house of God uh, unless they're 
there's an emergency, amen. I'm telling you, listen, nothing ought to take center for a center point. Listen, other when we come to the house of God, other than magnifying and glorifying the Lamb of God, amen, tonight. And I've seen people get distracted and it's easy uh, to get distracted. It's easy uh, to not be involved uh, in worship. Now you don't have to worship like me and I don't have to worship like you as far as our personality. I'm not saying you have to act like I act or me act like you act. But what I am saying is that if we're not careful, we'll get our mind on something other than what it's supposed to be on, amen. And anything other than on him and the word of God my friend, is failure to worship. Sometimes I've seen in church where people have let other problems and maybe something they're going through would hinder their worship. Other people would hinder their worship. You see, it'll help you tonight if you haven't already to get to the place in life where you just zero everybody else out in the service and just focus on what God would say to you and worship him and magnify him and lift his name up. I'm telling you, listen, and get what God would have for you in that service. If we would be sensitive to hear him and to worship, him, we would never leave disappointed in church. A lot of times things hinder, but what about worldwide worship tonight? There's some principles here in these three verses that we can learn from worldwide worship that will help our individual worship tonight. First of all, if I can remember all of them, amen. I want to say first of all, uh, the first thing that I see here when I think about this is I see in verse number three the reason uh, concerning worldwide worship. He said in verse number three, let the people praise thee. Now why would Israel praise? What if, When the psalmist said let the people, he's asking God, let the people praise thee. Why does the psalmist want to magnify God? Well, uh, I want to say he's always worthy to be praised. Isn't that right? And I want to say our praise is not to be based uh, upon us. It's to be based upon him. Isn't that right? That means we don't worship him or praise him because we think we're worthy because we know that we're not. Sometimes the devil will say, well, don't testify. Don't raise your hand. Don't magnify God because you're not worthy. Well, if I waited until I was worthy, I'd never praise him. Amen? I'm not praising God because I'm worthy to praise him. I'm praising God because he's worthy to be praised. Amen? But listen, at the same time, even though we know God is worthy to be praised in spite of us, I want to say tonight there are reasons and the psalmist has some reasons here as to why he wants to worship God. You know, tonight, if you're saved, I think if you and I will look around, there's plenty of reasons why we ought to worship the Lord. Amen. You say, well, preacher, why is he worshiping God? He's worshiping him because of his mercy. Look what he said in verse one. God be merciful unto us. Now, I want to say tonight, I can worship him, Brother George, because of his mercy. I want to tell you, God's been merciful to me. Has he not been merciful to you? If I got what I deserved, I know where I'd be at tonight. I'd be in hell. If I got what I deserved, I'd never get another blessing in life. I may be saved, but if it wasn't for the mercies of God. I couldn't have got out of bed this morning. And tonight, you know what? Every one of us has a good reason to praise God. And that is that his mercies are new every morning and that his mercy endureth forever. Amen. And so he is, one of the reasons is because of his mercy. Another reason is because of his blessing. Look at verse number one. God be merciful unto us and bless us. I want to stop and ask you tonight. Have you been blessed? 
Has God blessed you with a good family? Has he blessed you with a good home? Has he blessed you with a good automobile to drive? I don't care if you drive a Ford or a Chevy or if you even drive a Dodge, amen? I'm telling you, listen, whatever you got, if it'll turn, if it'll crank when you turn the key and if it'll get you from A to B and you don't have to walk, amen, you ought to thank God you've been blessed, amen? I'm talking about, friend, it may not be the latest and greatest and if it is, that's good too. But I'm telling you, listen, I'm glad I didn't have to walk to church tonight. I'm glad I got a pillow to put my head on. I'm glad I got a house, a warm place to go home to. I'm glad I got food in the cabinet and food in the refrigerator. I'm glad when I open the closet I got some clothes to put on my back and some shoes to put on my feet. I thank God for my family. I thank God for my wife. I thank God for my children. I thank God for my church. I thank God for my brothers and my sister. I'm telling you we have been blessed tonight. Amen. And the Bible tells us we have a good reason. I thank God there's many other things, but then he praises him tonight. The reason is because he wants his face to shine upon him. You know what that means for his face to shine? It's God's pleasure and God's approval. I want to say tonight, I want his approval, don't you? You know, when you think about when you was a child, you, you wanted your parents' approval. I think about my grandson, I was telling him a little story one day and it took about five minutes so I'm not going to tell you that story but it had all kinds of little noises in it that made him laugh, you know. And uh, somehow the story got turned around, you know, because the story was about me driving a truck, you know, a little dump truck and coming back and, uh, but when we, and, and dropping some things off. But when we got to the end of the story, he changed the story to I'm not even in the story anymore. He's driving the dump truck and he's coming back and his dad is, is, is telling him what a good job he's done. And when you get so, I now when I tell the story, I have to lie. I have to put him in the dump truck. I have to bring, he's coming back and when he gets back his daddy's thanking him and saying you did a good job I said and when he said that you know what he'll laugh every single time now the story's not true but you know what makes him so happy it's because uh, he wanted the approval of his father and can I tell you tonight uh, if there's anything that ought to please us and excite us uh, it ought to be when God looks down upon us uh, and say well done I'm pleased with the way you're living I'm pleased with the things you're doing we're not to seek man's approval we ought to seek the approval of our Father, amen. And I want God's face to shine upon me tonight. That's a reason to worship God. And then he's reason, another reason is that his way may be known upon the earth. In other words, he is praising God that he has guidance and direction. And can I tell you tonight, I'm thankful that he leadeth me, amen. Don't you thank God that he gives you wisdom and direction? None of us have the ability to make the right decisions within ourselves, but I'm thankful that God gives us a guidance guidance through the preaching of the word of God. <laughs> May I say tonight, hey, listen, you ought to take care, uh, heed to the preaching of the Bible. You ought to take heed to when you read the word of God, that still, small voice uh, that speaks to your heart. Don't dismiss it. Don't ignore it. Uh, it's very important in your life. The easiest thing to do is to ignore God. You get sideways, you get something in your life or something in your heart, the first thing that'll happen, you'll get dull of hearing. And you'll no longer listen. You'll no longer hear the voice of God. Then he says here that a reason he is worshiping God. May I stop and say this? I thank God I can hear his voice. Aren't you thankful you can hear God tonight speak to you? 
And then uh, he is thanking him for his saving health among nations. We know that during the millennial reign that men will live longer than they've ever lived, but I'm glad that he is still the God of our health tonight, amen? And so I see here the reason uh, for worldwide worship, and then there's the reality of it. Look what he said. Let the people praise thee. Notice these next two words, oh God. You notice that the psalmist has his focus right on worship. The reality of his worship is not himself. It's not in circumstances. It's not his blessings, and thank God for those blessings, but the reality of his worship is God himself. God is supreme in his worship. Can I tell you tonight, if worship is gonna be right in my heart and yours, it can't be about me, it can't be about you, it can't even be about a wonderful church, and I thank God, and there's nothing wrong as somebody has said tonight, and I second that motion, and I don't think there's nothing wrong with getting up and thanking God for your church, but what I'm saying is tonight is that this can't be what this is all about in my life. Some people worship the church. I wanna go beyond that, don't you? You'd be thankful for the church, as someone said tonight, but we don't worship the church because it's church may fold, amen? We don't worship the preacher. I thank God for the preachers that God has put in my life and has helped me along the way, but you can't worship the preacher because a preacher may die. He may, listen, get messed up in his doctrine. He may get disqualified. You can be thankful for all those things. I wanna tell you tonight, the supremacy of our worship has to be centered around God, has to be around him. When I think of worship and you think of worship, we ought to not think of nothing else other than him tonight see if you don't things will hinder your worship you know sometimes you'll get off focus and you'll you'll say you know and I'll tell you something about that sometimes I don't always understand what God's doing and the way God's doing things but brethren we have met to worship I'm not here to see you and you're not here to see me. I'm glad I saw you tonight and I hope you're glad you saw me. But we didn't come to see each other. I could go to your house and see you. You could come to my house and see me. Well, they say, well, why do we all gather here on a Wednesday night, middle of the work week? I'll tell you why. We're hoping that we see him, amen. We're hoping we catch a glimpse of him who is invisible. Can I tell you when the choir started singing or when we started singing that first song, I'm a going that way. Like Miss Thelma said, I'm telling you, you just, felt a, you just felt liberty. You just felt freedom. You just felt the presence of God. Now, all of us can't be wrong. If you felt that and I felt that, it's because of one reason. It's real, amen. Man, and the devil will come by and say, oh, that's not real. There's nothing to that. Uh, but I'll tell you one thing, friend. Uh, I'm glad that serving God is real. I'm glad that worship is real. Uh, I'm telling you, it's not some figment of our imagination. I'm telling you, when it's like this, you could stay all night long, amen. I'm talking about the reality. I've watched people, and I don't intentionally do this, but sometimes I think as a pastor, you observe it. I've watched people follow other people's worship. And there's, I reckon to a degree there's probably nothing wrong with that to learn, but it's gotta be real to you. 
I can't worship like Brother Laddie. I mean, he's got his way and we worship the same God and he and our worship is the fundamentally the same, but I don't testify like him. He don't testify like me. I don't testify like Brother Barnes and, and Brother Barnes doesn't testify like me, but it's real to him and it's real to him and it's real to me. And I'm telling you, it's real to you if you're saved tonight. But I'll tell you, you can't be just be in it because of other things. He said, let all the people praise thee, oh God. There's the reality of worship. If it's not real, it'll fizzle out. If it's not real, friend, it'll be up and down, on and off. But when worship is real, it's automatic, amen? Because it's not just when you go to church. He'll get good in the office, amen? He'll get good in the study. He'll get good around the coffee table. He'll get good in that secret place. I'm telling you, God's not just good on Sunday and Wednesday, but he's good every day of the week. He's good going down the road. I'm telling you, God gets just as real in the cab of a pickup truck, or an automobile as what he will down the church house. I'm talking about the reality of God in worship is that he'll overflood your soul, amen. You know what, if you'll surrender and if you'll separate from this world and if you'll live right, dedicated and be full of the word of God, you can stay filled up all the time. I'm talking about the reality of worship. Then I see here tonight, not only the reasons, the reality but I want you to notice this. I see the righteousness in worship. He said, oh, let the nations be glad and sing for joy. There's the rejoicing. Amen. Let me stop and say this. Worship ought to have some joy in it. Can I get a witness on that? Oh, let the nations be glad and look at that. Sing for joy. You ever been in a worship service and you know, I, I, I mean, I just can't help it. Sometimes I hit it, but it don't happen around here much and I thank God it don't. But have you ever been in a worship service where, where somebody just got up and killed the whole service? I mean, listen, I'm talking about deader than what Roundup would kill a weed. We was all feeling good until they got up. You said, well, preacher, I, I'm having a rough time. Well, well then ask somebody to pray for you. Isn't that right? Ask us to pray for you. But if you're depressed, ask us to pray for you. But don't get up and tell us how depressed you are. We all got a little bit of depression going on. Don't add to it. Somebody say amen. Now, the only people get mad when I preach at is the people guilty of it. Amen. Because you've not learned how to get up and magnify God. You've not learned how to get up and just lift his name up. Don't feel sorry for yourself. Don't sit around and whine. A whiny testimony doesn't help nobody. Listen, I could tell you about some problems I got tonight, but the truth is you got your own problems, amen? And there's nothing wrong with saying, please pray for me. I'm going through something. And I'm telling you when people's rejoicing and magnifying God, don't get up and spend five minutes uh, uh, listen, uh, uh, singing the blues and magnifying the devil and then on your way back down to your seat and say, oh, by the way, I'm glad I'm saved and I love the Lord. Well, we don't believe that. <laughs> Y'all know I'm telling the truth. I was in service one night, wasn't in this church, thank God. I'm telling you, we was having a good meeting. Miss Kate, I don't believe in drinking or suicide. But honest to goodness, when that lady got done, if I'd have had a shot of whiskey and a pistol, I don't know. She pushed me all the way to the edge. I thought it was all over with. Hey, there ought to be some rejoicing. My worst day living for God is 10,000 times better 
than my best day living for the devil. I'm telling you, I don't have it. When you think about what's going on in my life, go to the hospital, go to the funeral home tonight, and listen, get on a plane and go to a third world country. I have absolutely nothing to complain about tonight. I have no sad stories. I'm telling you, I'm in my right mind. I've got my strength. I've got my health. I was able to put my clothes on and come to the house of God. I'm telling you, I know where I'm at. I've got a Rick King James Bible in my head and Jesus in my heart. I got a reason tonight to be happy and to magnify God. We've got reason to rejoice. You say, preacher, do you ever get discouraged? Oh, sure I do. I wouldn't tell you that. Do you ever feel like not praising God? Sure I do. More times than I care to mention. But when I come here, this is what I'm always reminded of. How I am is how you'll be. If I walk to this pulpit with the blues, discouraged, defeated, you say, preacher, you ever get defeated? Oh, yeah. Can't show it. Wouldn't show it by the grace of God. Have shown it, but hate when I have. Because it affects the atmosphere. And the same for all of us tonight. Rejoicing. Well, I'm... You know, I want to give you one more and I'll be done tonight. I want to say worldwide worship involves righteousness. Look what he said. For thou shalt judge the people. Notice this word, righteously. And govern the nations upon earth. You know what God wants to do in our life? He wants to take all the unrighteousness out and put all the righteousness in. And in this text, just as he's going to do in the millennial reign, he wants to govern our life which means that we have to surrender to him because he's not going to force himself on us. But God said, I want to do two things in your life. I want to rule your life. I want to run it. I want to govern it. Why? So why, why should I let God govern my life? One, because he gave it to us. And two, because he can do a better job running it than what we can. Is that right tonight? And I want to tell you what God said. I want to take all the unrighteousness out of you. You remember how filthy and dirty and rotten you was before God saved you? You remember the rags of sin and he washed you and thank God positionally he sanctified you but he wasn't done there. Progressively he wants to sanctify you. I just want to stop and say this. I plan on preaching more on separation and against worldliness in 2020 than I ever have in all my life in this church. You know why? Because I don't want sin in this church. I don't want worldliness in this church. I, I mean listen, I want to see people saved but I'll tell you what, before we can see people saved we all, and I say we tonight, we need to get as clean as we can and as right what God as we can. I, I tell you what we need to go back to. I, I said it this morning. I was praying. I said, God, I'm just going to hit rewind and just preach on as much sin as I can think of. And I'm asking you to weed everything out, to clean everything out of this church and first start with me, amen, in my heart and my life and my mind. I'm telling you, the cleaner we live and the more righteous we live and the further we come out from this world, I'm going to tell you what will happen for you. We'll have more of the power and the presence of God and we'll see souls saved, hallelujah. I don't tell all you young people tonight, I, want these, I don't want one of you to fail God. I want you to live clean and pure and holy and righteous 
He's going to take preaching on sin for not just them, but for all of us. Amen. But we're living in a wicked world, and the world's not getting better. I'm telling you, listen, there's so much sin on every hand, Brother Jack, and men of God have let up. And I'm not talking about being mean spirited. I'm not talking about being ugly. I'm just talking about calling every sin you can think of by name and putting a chapter and a verse with it and preaching against the sins of this world and worldliness. I'm telling you, stay out of the world and live separated and clean and righteous and God will bless you tonight, amen. I don't have it all together, but I want to. How many of y'all can say that tonight? I really want to. And when I don't, it grieves me. Don't it grieve you? You know, there's things in our life we have to just let go of because maybe they're not sinning themselves and but it's unrighteousness before God. Because anything that takes priority of my life, consumes my life, grabs hold of my life, that causes me to love it the least bit more than I love God or even equal with God. God's a jealous God. He don't want it in our life. And I'm just going to be honest with you how this old flesh you're looking at tonight is. I'll pick anything up outside the grace of God. Tonight... You know what worship will do? It'll keep you on the right path. And when sin gets in your life, worship goes out the door. It hinders that worship because it's not the same anymore. The heart is not in there. But during that millennial reign, you know what? It's going to be worldwide worship. I'll say this in closing. Worldwide worship is not only involved righteousness, but look at this in verse 5. Worldwide worship's repeated. You notice that verse 5 is the same as verse number 3. Let the people praise thee, O God. Let all the people praise thee. You know, Brother Jack, a lot of times when you get up and testify, you'll say he's the Rosa Sharon, the lily of the valley. Don't that help you? Not because I said it. Because it ain't the word, it ain't me, it ain't about. Brother Jack will say that. If he stands up Sunday, there's there's a good possibility. In fact, I would say there's an 85% chance He's probably going to say he's the rose of Sharon. He's a lily of the valley. And I want him to. How many of y'all want him to? There might be somebody here not spiritual and say, why does he say that all the time? And somebody else might say, well, I remember Brother Roland. He'd always get up and talk about uh, March the 7th, 1961 when he got saved. And Brother Laddie talks about the springtime uh, when he got saved. And different ones will say different things. And, and if you're not careful, you and I, in our carnality, we'll look at something like that and say, well, well, they just say the same thing all the time. Well, the psalmist said the same thing in verse five that he said in verse number three. Amen. You know why? Because when you're worshiping God, if it's good enough to say once, uh, it's good enough to say a thousand times over, amen? And if it glorifies him one time uh, saying he's a rose of Sharon and the lily of the valley, then why not say it again? Uh, Because the fact is, uh, he is a rose of Sharon. He is a lily of the valley. He is a bright morning star. He's wonderful. He's counselor. He's a mighty God. He's the everlasting father, amen? And you know what? You could say that about somebody else. And it'd bore a hole in us, wouldn't it? The reason it's so good is because of the one we're talking about. You know, tonight, if there's anything God desires in our services, it's worship. But I believe this tonight. I don't just 
think it, I know it to be true. What hinders worship in our life? It's two things. Self and sin. Self and sin. If I can get self out of the way, and I can get sin out of the way, then I can worship God. You say, Brother Gravely, do you, do, you, do, you, do you always get all of self out of the way and all of sin? Well, no. But I'll tell you, you've got to try. Before you come to church, even on a Wednesday night when you've worked hard and probably did everything you could just to get here, when you leave work, you ought to come with the right frame of mind and attitude. And I'm preaching the Wednesday night crowd. I'm sure most of you have. I know what it is to walk in on Wednesday night wore out and tired. 12 hours in a carpet mill, sweating from the time you get in there to the time you get out and you come in and you don't, you don't, smell, too, you don't smell like the Rose of Sharon, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> you come into church and you're wore out and your muscles are aching and you sit down on a pew and in your flesh you say, because I've said it many times, well, I'm just going to sit here. I'm not getting in on nothing tonight. I'm tired. I can remember those days and every time I would say that, the Holy Spirit would speak to me and say, so you're too too tired to worship me tonight. You're too tired to give me an amen. Maybe he don't talk to you that way, but he always would talk to me that way. You mean you can't amen the preacher? He studied and prayed and he's come ready to preach and I let you come to church tonight. I let you get off in time to be here and, and I let you sit in church with your family. I'm just telling you what he talked to me about. And I finally, I got to the place, I said, God, never again will I sit in church. By your grace, never again will I sit in church and not say amen. I don't always run laps, you know that. <laughs> but I want to worship God tonight as we stand. How's your worship? God is interested in individual worship every bit as much as he's interested in worldwide worship. Not just in church. I'm not just talking about that. How's your personal devotion life? You know, there's a difference in praise and worship. But do you worship God? Did you worship him this morning? Do you have a set time and a set place that you take your Bible and go to and you get on your knees and you worship? Is that a routine for you? Or is it just something you do at church? If all you do is at church, then you're missing out. You're missing out. Tonight, while we sing, if you need to come, you obey God tonight.